Father, we thank you for Chris. Thank you for all that you've laid up inside of him for today. Thank you for all the preparation that he's put in to uh, get ready for today, Lord. And pray that he'll be able to bring it under your powerful anointing and that the words he brings would be the words that you want us to hear today. Mm-hmm. And I ask for us, Lord, that we'd be receptive to whatever you want to say to us today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Excellent. Thank you, Julian. Um, can I just start off by saying, um, well, God's amazing, and thank you to Lena, um, because what you've just prayed is basically my sermon. Um, so thank you very much, and I'll see you later. Who wants coffee? Um, <laughs> but seriously, that is, that is amazing, because actually what I want to talk to us today Um, is all about knowing God's love. Um, Absolutely about knowing God's love. Um, And actually what I want to do is I want to actually start off by giving you a scenario. So what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to imagine something. Close your eyes if you want. You are privileged enough to go on a spa day. Okay, you're going off. You've gone off to this lovely, lovely spa. You're sitting in a jacuzzi. Maybe some nice classical music in the background. It's nice and warm. You close your eyes. You relax. You breathe. And you recharge your batteries. Have I now completely lost you all? Yep, you're going to be just thinking about that for the whole time. The reason I want to start with that is actually because I believe that's how God wants you to receive what I want to talk about today. I want you to imagine yourself sitting in that scenario right now. And actually God says, I want you to sit back, I want you to relax, I want you to breathe, and actually I want you to let his love wash over us. And it's my prayer today that as I talk to you, that is what you'll experience. So uh, yeah, if you can come back to me, away from that scenario for a minute, that'd be, uh, that'd be much appreciated. So I do pray that you feel God's love through what we've done. So hold that thought. Right. Today's sermon is actually uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. It is... Um, Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 21. So if you want to turn to that, Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 21. I'll give you a minute. I'll read it and then I'll uh, go through it. Now what I'm actually going to do is I'm actually going to start at verse 1. Because I think it's really important that we see the context of what Paul is doing here today. So I'm actually going to start Ephesians 3, verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations." as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace. There's been so much we've sung about this today, it's amazing. Given me through the working of his power, Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. 
according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. I'm going to pause it there before I move on to the actual passage for today and just explain a little bit of that context. So it's Paul's letter to the Ephesians. It's written, we think, about AD 70, with a key focus written to the Gentiles as recent converts to the faith. It was written, of course, from prison. Paul was in chains. He was in prison. Around the same time, written around uh, Colossians and Philemon. And it is actually much more practical in nature, aimed at those basically not so steeped in religion. But this was the bit that really struck me and I think was really important to put all of this into context. When I read this, I really felt like someone who was just really excited. Have you ever been in that situation where you are really, really excited about something and you're bouncing off the walls? Yeah, you're really excited about a holiday you're going to go on or you're going to see a friend or you're really excited about maybe it's the days before you got married or something like that. And you're really excited and bouncing off the walls and you want to tell people and say, oh, I've got to tell you about this. This is brilliant. I really want those around me to know. And actually, this is how I feel Paul is at this moment. He may be stuck in prison and you'd understand him to be sort of quite upset about that. But actually, he's bouncing off the walls. He's really excited about what has been revealed to him. He's excited and he wants to share that mystery. But here's the important bit. He wants the church to share that mystery. He said, guys, this is brilliant. I want you to go out and share this. But the important thing is actually what he does next. And I wanted you to understand that he's coming from that point of excitement. He wants everybody to share that, but he doesn't do the most obvious thing. How does he want it to be shared? So let's move on to the, uh, the actual part we're looking at today. And it is a prayer for the Ephesians. For this reason, he says, I kneel before the Father. This is verse 14 onwards. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout his generation forever and ever. Amen. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant passage. And what struck me is, Paul's bouncing off the walls. He's really excited. He wants everyone to share his gospel. He wants to get the gospel out there. He doesn't launch straight into... Go straight out onto the streets. Go and tell everyone. Go and, go and share this gospel. He doesn't launch into that straight away. He does something ever so slightly different. And this is why I want to focus on today on God's love. I want to give you an example from, uh, it's an example I'm afraid from my, my work in school. And it happened um, a few years ago, probably actually about 10 or 11, 12 years ago. I find time's going very quickly now, actually. <laughs> very quickly indeed. And what happened was, I was deputy head teacher in the school, working closely, obviously, with the head teacher, and we had an Ofsted inspection. Lovely. 
Um, and uh, in that officer inspection, it went quite well, thank God. And, and I mean, in its truest sense. And at the end, the officer inspector said to myself and the head teacher, one of the things that's really strong is the staff in this school really understand your vision and behind your vision of what you're trying to do. I thought, brilliant. And he, I said to him, oh, that's interesting. What did they say? And what they, the inspector actually described was not what was technically written in the vision document. What he actually described was a set of values that myself and the head teacher actually held quite dear, and things that we felt were important in education. And I think in actual fact, if I'd have given him the vision document, he might have gone, oh, hang on a minute. He actually described values that we held deep in our heart. And uh, that really struck me, both professionally and a sort of wider sense, that actually what we do and how we act comes completely from what we believe deep, deep down inside. You know, we can read and intellectually understand many, many different things. But actually, we do things based out of what is in our hearts. And actually, this is what Paul's talking about. He's talking about knowing God deep, deep down in our heart. And I believe it's exactly the same for us in the faith. We have a vision document. What is it? It's the it's this word. It's the Bible, isn't it? And we can read that, and we can intellectually understand it as much as you want. But actually, if it's not deep down in here, it's not going to come out in our expression in our day-to-day lives. And that's what this passage is all about. And it's not dismissing the word, by the way, in any way, shape, or form. The word and the spirit instructs our heart and mind. If you look at Proverbs 23, verse 12, it talks about apply your heart to instruction and your ears to words of knowledge. Job 22, verses 1 to 22. Submit to God and be at peace with him. In this way, prosperity will come to you. Accept instruction from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart. Actually, yes, it starts with the word. It starts with learning the word. But then actually it has to move much more deeper into our hearts. What Paul knew is that you can learn the faith through reading and hearing the word. But this will not work if you don't have a deep down knowledge in your heart of the love and the revelation of God. It's got to go deep into your heart. It's basically, it's the journey of discipleship. You know, God, when you become a Christian, may well break through and break into your heart, but then we use his word and the spirit to then deepen and go deeper and deeper in the love we have for him and knowing the love that he has for us. We'd often refer to this as a more Holy Spirit encounter, God truly stepping into our lives and turning head knowledge into heart knowledge. It's actually when we truly experience the love, peace and acceptance of God in our heart, rather than just academically knowing it, we're in a better place. And actually it's my prayer today that we know in our hearts God's love much more. That that actually happens through talking today and through the worship and so on. And I I thought of another analogy actually, which I think is quite applicable. Would you say to your friends, I'd love you to come round for dinner and I'm going to cook you a meal I don't particularly like. I've I've made it. It's a bit rubbish, if I'm honest. Um, But why don't you come round for a meal anyway? We'll see if it's vaguely reasonable. You wouldn't do that, would you? No, of course you wouldn't. So actually, why would we invite people to a faith that we're not bubbling over with? Actually, why wouldn't you? 
Actually, you invite people to things that you love, that you're excited about, that you want to do. And actually, God's saying, I just want you to be bubbling over with the love that I have for you. And that's really, really important. Our effectiveness in witness actually comes from a real lived experience within. You know, some people can can be good actors, of course. But actually, the real witness knows when that's bubbling out. And Paul knew this in this passage. And can, some, can I just suggest that actually the most effective thing we can do if we want to become good evangelists is actually just to know God's love more. And that's probably the most important thing. And that's what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about, he's saying, actually, I want the church in Ephesus more than anything else to step into the jacuzzi, to sit back, to relax, close your eyes, and just feel my love washing over you. Because then you will be setting up a church on a real foundation. So what I'm going to do is explore today's passage in, uh, under three headings. Okay, three headings, if you, if you want to know. first one is love as a gift. The second one is love as a foundation. And the next one is love as a witness. Love as a gift, as a foundation, and as a witness. So I'm going to read through the passage again in the context of what I've just talked to you about. The, the 14 to 21. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in this church and in Christ Jesus through all the generations forever and ever and amen. Love and strength as a gift, verse 14 to 16. I want to look at that first. Paul initially starts with bowing the knee. He bows his knee in prayer. He could have launched straight in some instruction about the love of God. He could have told people about the love of God. But what he actually did is he bowed his knees and he prayed. And he bowed his knees and he prayed because he knew that this is a gift. He knew that that love comes through the Holy Spirit and he wanted the Lord to be able to give that gift to that church. You can instruct all you like, but he wanted to be able to give the gift. And interestingly enough, the clue about this is actually in verse 16. It says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power in your inner being. So there's three key points in this first bit I want to do. First of all is glorious riches. This is not an empty cupboard with a few morsels of riches. His glorious riches. Colossians 1.27 also says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Two more scenarios. You're hungry. You go into the kitchen looking for something in that cupboard that normally holds the biscuits and the chocolate. doesn't in our household because the boys have got there first. Um, but normally it holds those, okay? You open the cupboard door, you're thinking, I really fancy a little bit of a snack, and then there's half a packet of Jaffa Cakes and a hobnob. And you think, 
Fair enough. I like Jaffa cakes. You take the Jaffa cakes, you go off, you've had your snack, job done, that's fine. Scenario one. Scenario two, you go to the cupboard that holds the biscuits and the chocolate. You open the door and it bursts out. You are knocked to the floor with cake, biscuits, chocolate, the whole lot. We're talking full Charlie and the Chocolate Factory here, okay? You're absolutely knocked backwards by all of the, all of the food that's in there. You can't decide what to eat. It's never happened in our household. <laughs> Wouldn't stand a chance. I think you know which one we're talking about here, don't you? Actually, the glorious riches of God is you open that cupboard and you're just, bash, you're just bowled back by all the food that's pouring out. And then you're hungry and you're no longer... I've lost you again, haven't I? Yeah? <laughs> you're now thinking about chocolate and Jaffa cakes and uh, whatever else. Okay, but you can see, actually, we're talking about glorious riches here, aren't we? Not just open the cupboard and there's a nice packet of Jaffa cakes and that's it. Actually, we're talking about glorious riches. When we come to God, we don't need to be like Oliver going, please, sir, can I have some more? There's glorious riches that are there for us, and he just says, just ask. So uh, first part in there is glorious riches. The second bit is that he strengthens us supernaturally. This is not something that we do ourselves. This strength and love is a supernatural gift. The verse talks about supernatural strengthening through his Holy Spirit. This is through grace, and after a confession of sins, he freely gives this gift. Okay, It's not, can you do the washing up and then you can open the cupboard. It's actually, I'm freely giving this gift to you. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. How often do you feel you don't deserve his love or his strength? Who feels that sometimes? Great, because we don't deserve it. Actually, that's right. We don't deserve it. It is a gift through grace. God wants us to sit back, relax, and take this gift supernaturally. And it is my prayer today that actually, and I think it's been brilliant that it's been prayed so far so many times, that God would just supernaturally impart that gift of love to us today. We don't deserve it. None of us do. But actually, he supernaturally gives it. And it's an abundance that he wants to give us. And the last part in this little mini section is actually it's in our inner being. It's not just something in our heads. It's not just saying, I love you. It goes right down into our inner being. There's a difference between understanding you're loved and knowing that you're loved. Two, two very, very different things. Have you ever had that moment where a person might say that they love you and you think that's nice and that's good and I know it. But then you have those other times where you really feel that love. Yeah? And uh, I want to give an example, and sorry if it's a little bit embarrassing for Luke, but I think it's uh, really, really um, true. There was a moment when it was actually the, the you know, we, we say to each other, we love each other all the time. It's, it's, we will regularly say it. But then uh, one of the moments that I will always remember as a father is going to pick up the boys, and uh, Luke actually from, um, uh, I keep saying Spring Harvest, from New Day, um, and he'd become a Christian then, and, and I arrived in the car, and Luke just ran up and gave me the most wonderful hug. And that moment, I will always remember as, as a father, because actually I knew the love at that moment. And it was, it was amazing. Very special. So it can go deep, deep down in us. It's knowing that love deep, deep down inside our hearts that we actually know it. Paul is talking about knowing love. 
Paul's really keen to get across the point. Through his Holy Spirit and love and strength are a gift that comes from the abundance of riches. And it's given supernaturally. Love is a gift. And we want to know it deep, deep down. So the next part of this is actually love is a foundation. So in verse 17 it says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Rooted in love. What does rooted in love mean? Now we can go, and I will go actually, to the very obvious example of trees. And in actual fact, um, there's, you go on to hear later examples. Luke 8 verse 5, parable of the sower. A farmer went out to sow his seed and he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path, it was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky grounds and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up with it. And choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. Why did it grow with great yield? Because it fell on good soil and it put roots down. And actually those roots go deep. And I was thinking actually, within our garden, we had to, when we first moved to our house, we had to, it's sort of quite open, sort of almost field-like back garden really. And we've tried planting a number of different trees. I like trees just to give it a little bit more sort of shape in the garden. And there's one we planted quite soon at the back in sort of corner um, by a patio. And I wanted it to go really tall really, really quickly. And I'll be honest, it hasn't. It's a bit disappointing if I'm honest. It's grown a bit, but not that much, not as much as I'd want it to. But actually, we just basically dug it, shoved it in the soil, um, didn't put any sort of nice soil around it. And actually, it's got a patio right next to it, so it's probably not getting much moisture. And actually, it's not growing particularly well. And we've put some other ones later on where actually these trees, we then dug a bigger hole, we put loads of nice soil in there and it's not got patchy, and they're growing much, much better. Why are they growing much better? Because they've got decent roots that go deep down. But I was also thinking of another parallel and this is where I'm sort of hesitating to use it because I am a rubbish gardener. I really, really am. I pull out the plants and leave the weeds. Um, but, but I am. And, but it, there is a principle um, called grafting in trees. I don't know if people know about that, but my understanding is that basically, and I did Google it, um, my understanding is that basically you will take a part from one tree, you will graft it into the roots of another tree, and when you do that, it will take on essentially the characteristics of that tree you've grafted into it. So you can make almost exact clones. That's my understanding of roughly how it works. And actually, I think there's an element here of when we come to Jesus, we have an element of grafting him into our roots, and we want those to go deep, deep down. So uh, put your roots deep down in him, but also learning to become more like him. We're not just our own roots deep down, but we've also been grafted into him. And grafted and rooted into love. This love should be at the very root of what we do. How we express ourselves, how we feel, how we act, how we think, how we feel. It should affect every part of our lives. These roots go wide and deep and they're filled to the full measure of his love. And in actual fact, what he's talking about here is essentially you should be sucking up that love through your roots. That Actually, that's almost like the water in the roots, that love that we know. So actually, 
what we really know and we accept through the roots. When we feel his love, it affects how we see people. So actually, just being slight confession time, and I'm sure we're probably all the same, if you're feeling, not particularly feeling God's love, does it affect how you see other people? Yeah, it does. You know, I can think of situations at work where I might get annoyed with people. Go, oh, why are you doing this? Oh, it's really, really annoying. But then actually, when I've experienced more of God's love, I might not feel that. I actually feel more, I feel compassion. I think, actually, do you know what? I know why this person's acting like that. And you feel more love for them. Do you, do you find that? If you're closer to God, actually, you're more likely to feel compassion and feel love for those around you. It does affect how we see people. It affects how we speak. You know, there's a temptation sometimes to complain or gossip. We might not do that because the Bible says not. But actually, when God fills our hearts with his love, we don't do it because we just don't feel the need. Because we're sucking up that love through our roots. Are we generous with our time or money? The more we feel God's love, the more actually we're more likely to feel that we want to be generous with our time and money because we're sharing that out of the love that's being sucked up through our roots. It should be a foundation in everything we do. It's about Jesus, about loving others because Jesus loved us first. So in Matthew 22 verses 37 it says, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love the neighbor as yourself. Talks very clearly in that passage. Actually, the first thing we do is love God and let God love us. And then we can move into loving our neighbor as ourselves. And the final point I want to raise in this section is even though this is a gift the Bible Uh, does teach us to cultivate that loving relationship through spending time with him, studying the Bibles, praying, being with God. You can be given a gift, but then you can choose to leave that gift in a corner. And actually, there is a spiritual discipline to say, actually, I'm going to choose to accept that gift, but I'm going to cultivate that through spending time with God, through prayer, through reading his word, through being around other Christians. All those kinds of things actually then help us to cultivate that word. And I'm sure it's the same, you know, when you spend time with a loved one, or you were, to put it the other way, if you've not spent time with a loved one, and you might start to forget about that love a little bit. But actually, that love's not gone away. But then you start to spend time with them, and you think, oh, hang on a minute. Actually, yeah, I really do quite love this person. And you enjoy spending time with them, and that love is cultivated, and it's built up. And actually, Jesus would say, yes, it's a gift but actually uh, it needs to be cultivated. And I certainly find, you know, if you've, if you've had a week or two away from church, you do feel it. If you've had time away from prayer, you do feel it. You feel like you're, you're not, that love is not front and center. Love is meant to be our roots, our foundation from which everything grows. And it is that supernatural gift. And the last part is that love is a witness. So I'm going to read verses 20 to 21 again. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. So we started this talk today um, with Paul in prison being really excited about the mystery he wants to share. Why did he launch then into a section about love rather than sharing that? It's because at the very center of this mystery is love and power through, his, through Jesus dying on the cross. And actually, until we've grasped that, 
is then really, really difficult to be a witness. Jesus joined this earth, performed powerful ministry, and died on the cross. Why? Because of love. At the very center of what goes on. And it's actually that that can be the greatest witness. He performed miracles because he wanted to show his love. When we're filled with his love and his power, we can be amazing witness because it flows out of us. And actually, that can be really quite countercultural. Actually, doing things because just because we love and we're showing God's love can be really quite countercultural. Don't get me wrong, there are plenty of non Christians out there who do so much that's loving. Absolutely. But when we show God's unconditional love, actually, that is such an amazing witness. So why can that be the case, unconditional love being such a witness? Firstly, people can see the love we have for God and want to be a part of that. Going back to my example of uh, inviting someone round for a meal. If you invited someone round and said, come round for a half-decent meal that may or may not be all right, they're not going to be very excited. But if you say, come round, I'm going to cook this amazing dinner. I love it. I really enjoy eating this. I want you to share it with me. Please come and do this. They're going to be far more interested, aren't they? They're going to see it, and they're going to see the excitement. And it's exactly the same for our faith. As they see our, our love for God and our love and how we've experienced that bubbling out, it makes a difference. And the other part is unconditional love. Not getting love back in return can be countercultural and such a great witness. I'm sure you've seen in the news there's been stories over the years where people have been utterly wronged, they've been attacked, or maybe someone's died or something, and they've been a victim, and then that person says, I choose to forgive, and they choose to forgive publicly. And there's even been ones where they've then sort of almost made up with the person you know, that may have attacked them or whatever, and that's been an amazing witness about the love of God, that unconditional love. The Christian ministries, loads of excellent, excellent Christian ministries, where people give out unconditionally. I know when, when Catherine used to do lots of CAP, and people would often say, why, why are you doing this? And actually, I said, well, you know, why are you doing this? You're a volunteer. You don't have to do this. What's... And actually, people see that coming out of unconditional love. And volunteering, giving back to God because he loved us, not out of any personal gain, can be such a great witness. When we're filled to overflowing, we want to serve those around us, meeting their needs, and talk about how we love Jesus. When we're filled with Holy Spirit, we also have the strength to do it because it's not easy and that's so, so important. And I wrote this bit in red because I think it's actually quite important. We bring glory through sharing what he's done for us and we can't do that if he hasn't done it for us. And actually to this time, it's just to sit back, relax and accept and take in God's love. So I'm going to finish this by uh, concluding, uh, going through the points again. And I know Julian's going to come up and we're going to move into a time of prayer. Our first commandment before we go out and witness and spread the word is actually to experience his power and love. To actually take it in and enjoy it for ourselves. I started with the image of the spa and that's exactly what I want to finish with today. Actually he wants us just to breathe in, relax and enjoy the love that he has for us. We don't earn that, it's a gift. We can't turn it, and if we're trying to earn it, it's going to go wrong. It's a gift, and I'm sure there's some people here today that just need to say, actually, God, I'd like to accept some of that love, please. I'd like to feel it a little bit more. I'd like you to give me some more of that gift. But it will then involve potentially spending some time with him in word and prayer to really cultivate that. Love is a foundation. 
our roots go deep down in his love. That love needs to go into our inner being so that it affects our thoughts, what we do, how we act. The example there about the vision. You know, we don't act out of what we're told to do. We act out of what we truly believe and what we know deep down in our hearts. We don't need to worry about the outgrowing of the tree or the fruit on the tree. We actually worry about the roots and what's coming through. And the last bit is God's love is such an amazing witness when we can experience it and share that after we've really felt it. So I'm going to leave it there. And I want to, I think we're going to go into, uh, into a little bit of worship and then some prayer. Just prayer. Um, and my prayer this week, I'm going to finish with a bit of prayer and then um, that we really experience and know his God's, God's love is the first and most important thing. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do just pray right now that uh, as the most important thing we do is to know your love, to experience your love, Heavenly Father. And we just pray right now that you would give that to us as a supernatural gift. We pray particularly for those who uh, might not be feeling it right now, that you would supernaturally step in either now or through this week and help, help them to really feel your love deep down in your roots. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.